Psalms 27, I want to read verse number 14. If you'd stand with us for the reading of the word of the Lord. I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight. Uh, Last Wednesday, our first Wednesday of January, I was looking to start our Wednesday sermon series. And, uh, well, the best preacher showed up, the Holy Ghost. He showed up and met us in these altars and... Matter of fact, I had a couple of text messages after church, Brother Chad, and they said, Brother Jake, that's a tremendous message. And I said, yes, it was, because the Holy Ghost knows what to do. And, uh, but I have preached, as, as I have done our sermon series, there have been some Sunday nights that I might carry one over, but to say that I've started a Wednesday night series on a Sunday night, I have not done so, but I have really felt Uh, compelled to do this. And uh, some of the things that we are being very intentional about uh, here in the month of January, we've been talking about this time of renewal, a time where we have uh, very much so uh, within some of the ministries of the church, we've just kind of pushed pause, just a waiting and a resting, a time of refreshing some of these things. And what we're, what we're believing the Lord to do, we want to wait on Him, listen to Him, uh, seek His direction. And so, uh, I am going to preach a handful of messages uh, here on this particular thought and along this theme that we are looking at. And uh, our central text here out of Psalms 27 and verse 14, I'm going to ask if you will, to read this with me. Can we just read it aloud? Not very long verse here. And can we just read it together? If you're there with me, first of all, would you say amen? We'll make sure we're all on the same page. Amen. The Bible here says, let's read it together. Wait on the Lord's. Can we say that again? Wait on the Lord. One more time for good practice. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Do you hear that theme? Anybody guess what the psalmist is encouraging us to do? Does anybody want to take a shot at it? Some of you mouthing it right now. To wait. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, in this passage, what I'm titling this sermon series, this word did not show up, but we're going to put it all together, and hopefully you'll see where we're going with this. This word didn't show up, however... As I read a little bit of history about this word, you'll, you'll get with what I'm going with here. But we're just going to preach here throughout the month of January on simply this thought. And it is Selah. Selah. We find that this particular phrase appears in Scripture. And we're going to look at this for just a little bit. But in essence... The word Selah means to pause, to wait, to reflect. And so we're going to look at this. And in this course, we're going to look on the subject of pause, to ponder, to praise, 
to pray and to proceed. Amen. We're going to look at these things and ask the Lord to help us. Can we pray together tonight? Ask the Lord to anoint our hearts and our ears. Father, I thank you tonight for the word of the Lord. I thank you tonight. Your word is effective and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I'm thankful tonight it is our defense and Lord, I'm glad that it builds us and shapes us and helps us. And I pray that your word come alive tonight. Speak to us. Encourage our hearts. As always our prayer, let us leave here different than the way that we've come. I pray you'd anoint my mind and lips. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, anoint our ears and our hearts to hear and receive, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Somebody shout with me, Selah. Selah, I want this to be a part, amen, of the phrase, this train of thought, as here we are, amen, in this time, this time that we are concentrating our efforts, that we are intentional and and, and deliberate in our decisions. And uh, as we look here at the Word of God, I want you to understand as to where when we uh, see here in Scripture, and as I'm reading this central text here, as the Word of God challenges us in stating the fact of wait on the Lord. Amen. Sister Rivier, you can be seated tonight. Sister, God bless you. Uh, As we look at this, we find as to where uh, this is an implicit command. I want you to understand is that uh, often we pride ourselves and we even kind of wear it as a badge of honor as to how fast of a pace that we can keep, how quickly we can move. Our society is always changing. There is a currency all around us that things are moving and going. Uh, often it seems at the uh, speed of light. And, and uh, just even in these announcements we get tickled because already talking about February, already talking about November, and everybody chuckles. But you hear me say this, is that these things, these times, these dates, they come quickly and uh, because everything around us is moving fast we have taken delight in becoming the masters of multitasking how many things we can do how many items we can throw up in the air and juggle almost as a clown would walk around the circus arena we find ourselves showing off sometimes saying look what I can juggle this and I can do this and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and oftentimes this mindset as it sets upon us and we live by this we oftentimes it brings about a sense of awe and adoration by people I can't believe you do all of those things I can't believe you wear all of those hats I can't believe you do all of this and if we're not careful oftentimes we substantiate all of our busyness for business sake If we're not careful, we find ourselves less effective but tremendously busy and running. Oh, in this we have received, as I said, the masters of multitasking. This 
degree that has been given to us in the university of life. Someone said that time stops for no man. How true that is. Time is a precious commodity. Last year we did some time, took some time to preach on that subject of the fact of that of what are we doing with our time and our purpose in time. We often look and we say through weary eyes and exhausted breaths that what if we were to measure we we look around and we're trying our best to keep up and we're trying our best to keep pace and we're trying our best to meet all of the obligations around us. But can I ask tonight the question, what would happen if we began to measure uh, our, our place of effectiveness and, and uh, what God is doing in us and through us? Not by the number of things that are on our to-do list. Not by the number of things that we are multitasking I'm very much aware I understand this very clearly that there are seasons in life as to where some seasons are busier than others I understand that there are times brother Eli where there is great demand upon the schedule where there's great demand of time where we use the term such as I'm spread thin I'm stretched thin whatever the case might be but in Instead of measuring how effective we think that we are and how accomplished that we are based upon these standards, what would happen if we get back to measuring the standard of success, the standard of effectiveness, the standard of quality work that follows and is produced by a life of excellence, by way in the Spirit of God, by way of the Word of God? What if we get back, as I said this morning, Back to the Bible and measuring these things. You see, oftentimes we live in fear. We live in fear of the judgmental glances and the the, the talk and the chatter that can come about. And we don't want somebody to say we're lazy. We don't want somebody to think we don't care. We don't want to. Here's a big one. Are you ready? We don't want to say no to things we know that we shouldn't say yes to. There are some times that we are wanting to, for the sake of uh, sake of reputation, for the sake of uh, looking as if things are going on, that we can find ourselves very encumbered about. We find and we know well the story of Mary and Martha. We see these sisters and the business of one and the other that looks like and was even accused by her sister of wasting time, even going to the Lord to say, why don't don't you reprimand her? Why don't you tell her to get up and get in this kitchen and help me out? I've got a house full of people I'm cooking for. Oh, I've got a, I've got a sister June. I, I was, uh, she had had her procedure and right here at Christmas time, and I called her one day to check see how she was doing, and she said, "Brother Jake, I'm doing okay," but I knew she was having a hard time. Not because she was feeling bad physically; she was getting stronger and feeling better but she told me she said brother Jake I'm sitting here watching all them run around this kitchen and get food prepared and she said normally I'm right there in the middle of it normally I'm right there taking charge of matter of fact she said somebody else got to do the chicken and dressing this year how'd it turn out sister June 
It was good. All right. Got the seal of approval. Amen. Did you know, Brother Tobin, that there are times in our lives that we think that if our hand is not in it, it's going to fall apart? Oh, amen, Brother Jake. That's a good point. I ought to shout there. Okay. There are times that we think that if we're not in the middle of it, that if we're not doing it, that if it's not within the realm of our control, that surely it's going to fall apart. The world will quit turning. Uh, Saturn and Jupiter will fall out of space somewhere. I mean, everything. I mean, we will just uh, throw the whole planets in chaos because you didn't get to put your hand to it the way you wanted to and the way you thought you should. And you didn't get to work it the way you wanted to. Come on here. All of us, to a certain degree, we deal with these uh, dilemmas. We deal with these calamities. And if I can say, I, I believe, I believe in going back to the basics and looking again at the Word of God, is that, that we are challenged. We're challenged in the Word of God. Amen. As to where He desires for us to be effective. That we, our testimony is effective. That our mind is effective, that our efforts are effective, amen and can I say tonight it is hard to be effective when we are burnt out when we are frustrated when we are frazzled when we are discouraged when we are taking on more than we are supposed to take on, listen I'm not going to jump on pews tonight or run around the building but what I'm preaching to you is good and it's the gospel truth so you might as well jump on board and say amen all right you might as well say you're telling me something I can live by brother Jacob oh but brother Jacob aren't you aware we're supposed to put the pedal to the metal in 2023 don't you know I've got big dreams big plans big goals I've got people to see places to go things to do so I've got to run 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 oh I understand in our excitement in our endeavors and we're fired up we're ready to go oh don't lose that enthusiasm but understand friends there's a whole lot of folks that are sitting on the sidelines somewhere and they're burned out they've been run into the ground they are not effective they are not powerful because they are exhausted and wore out I want to tell somebody this race is not to the swift nor or is it to the strong? The Bible says that those who receive salvation are those who have endured to the end. I want to tell somebody that when we learn to wait on God, there is supernatural stamina and strength that comes to run this race and run it well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't just want to be running. Paul said it like this. He said, when I fight, I don't fight as one that just beats at the air. Hear me. You see, when we talk about being effective in the kingdom of God, if we are wanting to, using his analogy to land punches, as a matter of fact... It has been said that in, in boxing, first of all, there are judges that sit by the ring. 
And if it comes to where they are have to judge a match, if there's not a knockout, there is a technical knockout. There is a deciding factor. And so what they do is they keep count of how many punches are landed. Did you know that it has been said that not only does the score, of course, naturally go up as a punch is landed, but did you know is that it takes less effort and energy to make a connection to make a connection with that opponent than what it is to throw five and six punches in the air as you're exhausting yourself and you don't make it count. Here's what I believe God's trying to challenge us. I want you to know something. We've got a limited window. Christ is coming back. The rapture of the church is, I believe, soon to take place. There's work that needs to be done. There are things we are striving for, family members you're praying for, community we're trying to reach, folks we want to see saved. But I don't want to just stand around and beat at the air. I don't want to run just to run. Oh, but I want to hit with purpose. I want to run with effectiveness and efficiency. I want the ministry of Victory Temple. I want the ministry in your life, on your job, in your home to be powerful and effective and yet in order for that to happen God gives us what seems to be a contradictory statement and he says what I need you to do do is slow down and wait what I need you to do is to pause what I need you to do is to reflect What I need you to do is to gather yourself. What I need you to do is to think on my goodness. I need you to praise. I need you to pray. And as these things are accomplished, you can then proceed. You can go forward. I know that because time is of the essence and because everything is moving fast, As a matter of fact, I felt it a little bit. I felt the sting. And and you know where the sting is? It's to my ego. I felt the sting to my ego, Brother Coleman, because I've got pastor friends, and we'll text, and we'll call, and check on each other. And they'll say, well, we're, 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 we're starting out of the gate and we're doing this. And we're doing that and we're doing this. And we, we're starting this program. We're having this revival. We're doing this. Thing. And all of those things are wonderful. I'm not knocking that. They can do what the Lord's felt them to do. But I kind of, my, my ego was stung a little bit, Sister Wanda, because I said, Brother Jake, what y'all doing? I said, we're taking some time off. You're what? We're taking some downtime. Well, what do you mean? We're taking some time and we're going we're gonna to get into our prayer closet. We're taking some time. We're going to fast. We're taking some time. We're going to get into the Word of God. We're taking some time and we are going to wait in His presence because in His presence there's liberty and in His presence there's fullness of joy and in His presence yokes are broken. I'm going to tell you, we could bring every evangelist in. We could book 
a camp meeting. We could run 100 miles an hour and have every program and have nothing to show for. But I want to see hearts and lives changed. I want to see the power of God manifested. I want to see us get back to a place. I'm going to tell you, we crossed the finish line of 22 fast and furious. You heard me say it. We we were moving full speed ahead. We were moving full speed ahead, and I felt very challenged to say, all right, let your people breathe a little bit. Come on here. Let them pray a little bit. Let them refresh and regroup and refocus. This pause does not mean we quit. This pause does not mean we abandon and we give up. This pause is to recapture some things that are missing. Some things that fall through the cracks. Not things on purpose. Not things because somebody's out of love with God or don't care or anything of that nature. It's just you can try to be doing so much and moving so quickly that things, and might I say important things, get overlooked. They get overlooked. And what happens is, Sister Kelly, when there's enough things, important things that get overlooked, then down the road, those things multiplied on top of each other bring disaster. And so as we look at this, I want you to understand that there is a call to pause. There is a call to pause. Selah. Listen, it's been questioned often by Bible theologians and debated actually for centuries of what this word actually means. There are some that have their opinions and thoughts, but one of the overwhelmingly agreed upon ideas is the fact that it means to pause or to reflect. This explanation often makes sense based upon the content upon which the word Selah is used. The word Selah is a Hebrew word and it occurs 71 times in the book of Psalms, three times in the book of Habakkuk. The 71 appearances in Psalms happen within 39 of the Psalms. As the word Selah is often repeated within the same psalm. But why is it there? Why does it show up? I encourage you in your downtime. I encourage you in devotions. Just look it up in your Bible app. Look it up in your Bible. And you can read the scriptures as to where this word appears. Understand based upon the context. It is generally accepted that Selah was a musical term of some sort, and is there to provide musical direction. 31 of the 39 Psalms include the word Selah, and they are titled to the chief musician. This is often, uh, in our modern term, can be used as it's often interchanged with the word the choir master. The prophetic book of Habakkuk, like the Psalms, is a book of poetry. And the third chapter is a prayer in the form of a song. 
It is in this musical chapter that we find the word Selah. This reinforces the idea that Selah is a kind of musical notation or expression and that it was known and understood by musicians and even those who were singing along. The book of Psalms, as you know, it is, as you could say, the book of songs. Many of these things, many many of what David wrote, they were songs of worship. They were songs of prayers that he prayed. The Word of God tells us that long before David wound up in the palace as king, he was first a shepherd in the pasture. And often while there in that pasture, often while overlooking and keeping watch over his father's sheep, David could be found out there singing and praying and praising. You could find that he was out there and it was drawing strength. It was putting something inside of his soul. You will not convince me that he ran out to meet Goliath and could conquer that giant without first the power that was produced by way of pausing and taking time to express the goodness of God, to share his heart about the things of God and the power of God be made manifest in him. Oh, can I tell you by everybody else's standard, their attention was upon the strong and the mighty. Their attention was upon the height, the weight, oh, the look of what a king should be. And as Samuel was crying over Saul, Saul had been rejected by God, but Brother Corey, Saul looked like a king. The Bible said he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. Oh, they, he was somebody they could put your eyes on. The kind of man, Sister Shannon, when he walked in the room, you knew he was somebody, somebody important. But God told Samuel, after he'd been crying for Saul, he said, how long are you going to cry over Saul? He said, don't you know, I've already found me a man. I've already seen. But Brother Gold, I believe before he's seen him, he heard him. And as God heard those prayers, heard that praise, God would move and God would say, that young man has my attention because he's taken time to reflect on my goodness. He's taken time to get in my presence. He's taken time. I'm putting in him the power that's going to be needed to succeed. I want to tell somebody tonight, it is time for a heavenly pause. It is time the church glorify the Savior once again. It is time we reflect on his goodness. It's time that the heart change that comes is because we are glorifying the King, thanking on him and thanking him for what he has done. Can I tell you one of the most powerful things you can do to change your attitude and your heart is to take a pause, to reflect on the Lord. Many of you are familiar with the story of Corrie ten Boom. I mentioned her today in preaching, and, and if you have not read her story, I, I encourage you to do so. While there's less TV and social media, if you're saying, I need something good to read, pick up the book, The Hiding Place. 
Read it. It's her story. She has other devotionals. This woman's insight and also her projection about things of life after suffering such atrocities, living and a survivor of the Holocaust, experiencing, going through and seeing terrible things done to her family, that this woman's place of gratitude, her insight, when you read about her and as she shares her story, she's not at all someone of a victim mentality. She is not somebody who's cursing God in the shadows and saying, I can't believe that you let this happen to me. She is not somebody who stands and says, life was so unfair for me and therefore that's why I can't serve God. That's why I can't go on with God. That was never her take. But she took time to reflect. She took time to praise. She took time to thank God, amen, for various things that nobody else would thank him for, that nobody else would give gratitude for, that nobody else would recognize. And it changed the course of her life can I say tonight there are some of us and we are not going to get very far with the current mindset and attitude that we have there are some there's no way that you could make it through some of the atrocities that she lived through and still keep your salvation well I take offense to that brother Jacob I'm telling you I'm going to serve God till I die there ain't nothing going to stand in my way (laughs) we say that but you get offended in the slightest and you're going to leave the church amen brother Jake come on you got you got a little bit of tickle in your throat you're going to have to miss a week of church Tell me when it's safe, Brother Corey. Come on. We got other things to do. We got other things to be. I can't do this and I can't do that. You don't know this and you don't know that. And yet we try to put ourselves in categories of those. Listen, the word of God was very clear. Said there were those who came before us. Sister Laura said they slept in caves and their clothes didn't come from Macy's or Dillard's. But they were clothed in animal skins. Said they were boiled in oil and some of them sawn asunder. And some of them crucified upside down said the world didn't know their name but the world was not worthy of them I'm telling you you don't become that man or woman of God until you've taken time to pause and get into the presence of God and let him deposit something into your soul oh hear me hear me in our fast paced life we've got a lot of things that come easy to us when we pause this is defined in the word sailor here being a musical term and I'm not a musician I can beat on the drums a little bit but I haven't done that in so long brother Marvin I've forgot I'd look like one of them little monkeys with cymbals just that's about what I can do I envy I wish I had just a thimble full of brother Danny's talent I wish I had a thimble full of 
Sister Phyllis and Brother Chad and Brother Steve and Brother Marvin and Brother Benjamin. Some of these, I mean, just, I wish I could. I wish I could sing like a canary like these ladies can. I wish I could, but I can't. I'll try. I'll give it my best go. But I'm going to tell you, is that in these things, in these things, I'm, like I said, I'm not a musician, but there is in music something that is known as a rest. It is written into the music that this is where you stop. This is what was done with the term Selah. This was a pause, a rest to reflect. In other words, think about what was just said. Christ in his teaching would use this term. He'd say, verily, verily. Anybody remember that? Verily, verily, I say unto thee. He said that often. Do you know what that term means? Listen. Listen, pay attention, right? Selah was used to say, pause. Think about what you said. Think about what you're singing. Think about what's been prayed. Think about this. Reflect on it. Oftentimes, that chief musician, he would play or he would sing. And it has been said that at that pause and that rest, it was even time when the rest of what would be, what would be uh, uh, similar to our congregation, they would join together and they would sing back the words that had just been said. It was to reflect. It was to remember. It was to let it set deep inside of your soul. In this, as we look at these things, once you understand that to pause, that being defined means to rest, listen, to be deliberate, to reflect, and to wait. I want you to notice something. That in this text that we have read, it was not a suggestion. Did you catch that? Did you catch it? He did not say if you feel like it. He did not say if you have time to. No, no, no. Again, it simply says, Brother Eddie, wait on the Lord. That is an imperative sentence. That means it's a command. Wait on the Lord. I found it interesting, and the Lord was dealing with my heart, of the phrase that follows, be of good courage. And Brother Corey, I thought to myself, why would we have to be courageous to wait on the Lord. And I began to think on that. And I thought you know it's kind of because. Kind of like that sting to my ego. When everybody else is going and doing and running and gunning. And somebody says what are you doing. It takes a little bit of courage to say I'm just going to wait. It takes some courage when there's pressure all around you and everybody wants an answer and everybody wants something done and everybody's got a suggestion and everybody's got a grand idea and it's thrown at you and that is, and is often, it is often preceded with the thought, what are you going to do with this idea? It is unpopular to say, we're going to wait on that a little bit. I love the idea. I love the thought. That sounds grand and wonderful. I think that we can do that, but maybe we're not ready for that. I think it'd be wonderful for us to take part in, but maybe we're not ready for that. Come on here. When I was saved and God called me to preach at 14 years old, Brother Hemphill, I thought at 14 I was ready to preach camp meetings like Brother Clendenin. Come on. 
Lord, just give me a venue. Just turn me loose. Let me get up there. Boy, I, Lord, I'll preach for you. I'm ready. I'm ready to travel the country and preach revival. I, Lord, I'm ready to do this. And I learned very quickly when I got my first opportunity to preach, Sister Linda, I was nowhere ready to do any revivals or camp meetings. Come on here. I had eight pages of notes and three minutes of preaching. Some of you praying right now, Lord, take him back. Lord, get him back. Now I've got one page of notes and 80 minutes of preaching sometime. Amen. Oh, Lord, I believe you can turn him around. But I did. Eight minutes. You've heard me tell the story. My grandparents drove three hours one way to come hear me preach for three minutes. A lady had to change her boy's diaper in the... She took her son to the nursery, changed his diaper, came back, sat down. She looked at her husband and said, where'd Brother Jake go? said, he's already preached, prayed, and sat down. Oh, but I was ready, Sister Brenda. Just let me get at him. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. You see, it takes some courage to wait. There are some things that some of you right now, they're pressing on you. There are some things right now that you feel like you have to give it an answer. There are some things, please hear what the Holy Ghost is saying right here. There are some things that you think that right now in this moment that there has to be action taken. And I believe God would challenge in you say, take courage, be courageous. This is not going to be popular. Some folks are not going to understand it, but wait on the Lord. Just wait a minute. Just hold fast. The other day, it's been some months back. I don't know if some of you saw what happened at the intersection there at the Vider exit. But you have the red light there. You have the gas station. Uh, sit go on the right if you're coming from Beaumont. If you take Vider, you got sit go X on across the street. You got McDonald's over here on this side of the freeway. But you got that intersection. And, the, and a couple, few months back, there was somebody there. Their light turned green. They was going straight through. And somebody else came right on through. And I mean plowed right into them. We've seen that kind of stuff all the time. I told my wife after that accident, I said, anytime we're at that intersection, if I'm not with you, yes, I was being bossy, Brother Keith. I said, if I'm not with you, I said, when that light turns green, you don't just go. I said, you pause. Wait a second. And Sister T, lo and behold, two weeks ago, I had to practice what I preached. That light turned green, and I waited. I, I, mean, it wasn't, I, I didn't wait no more than a couple of seconds. I waited, and would you know it, boom, right through that light. The, in our car, Carolyn and asked myself, we, oh, we gasped. And I said, see, you know how any good husband does. See, I told you, this is why. She said, I've been waiting. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm just telling you right now. That's why I'm right. This is perfect example why you pause. 
Can I tell somebody in this house, somebody who's listening by way of live stream, you're on the brink of decisions, and before you decide, you'd better pause. You'd better wait. Oh, but I, it's a lot of courage for me to step out and do this and do that. Yeah, I get it. I understand. Lots of transition, lots of new things. But you'd better know that you know. Because I'm going to tell you tonight, some of the decisions that you might make, it will cause a ripple effect in your family. And it will not only touch your family, but it will touch all of those around you in one way or another. To pause, to rest. Listen, and I know I'm running out of time. I don't know what's been in me today. I've done a lot of long preaching today. You still love your pastor for it? Amen. We've had, I've, we've had two, our last Wednesday and last Sunday, Lord was moving. You haven't got to hear, hear from me, so I've got a lot to say. Amen. Listen, to rest, here's, here's just a couple of things very quickly. This is not a suggestion, but rather it's a command. Scripture teaches us often the benefit of waiting on the Lord. A pause, what I'm talking about. James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That word divers means various temptations. Anybody here ever been tempted? Don't lie on me now. Come on, let me see your hand. I'll make sure you're still awake. Good, good, good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Amen. Various temptations. That word temptations also, before you get all nervous there, it doesn't just mean that you're struggling with immorality or you're about to lose your salvation. That word temptation there also refers to trial. He said count it joy when you're in that place. Here's why he said that. Are you in trial? Are you in testings? Are you in temptation? Are there things going on you don't understand? He said, count it joy. That sounds crazy. Here's why. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have, its per- have her perfect work. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Brother Eli, here's the thing about God. He is always interested in the whole man. All of us. Not parts and pieces. We oftentimes live with parts and pieces. We will give God parts and pieces. But that's why through the word of God, he challenges us always about the whole man. The whole woman. He said, listen, he said, so that you might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You pause for perfecting work to take place in your life. I want to tell somebody that particular trial, tribulation, temptation, it's not going to be there forever. But I can tell you this, the sooner you learn to pause and the sooner you allow God to perfect some things in your life through that thing, the shorter the season of it. The shorter the season of it. I can't tell you how long the season will last, but what I can say, Sister Brenda, is that if I kick and buck and fight against what God's trying to teach me and show me and I don't slow down enough, guess what I'm going to do, Sister I'm going to keep marching around that mountain. And some of us, we keep marching around it, we keep dealing with the same old thing, keep showing up, slapping us in the face, and we keep saying, God, I thought you loved me more than this, I can't understand, why is this? And he is saying, I want you to pause, I'm trying to perfect something 
in you. I'm trying to do something in you. In other terms, this defines, you can say, practice patience. What did we learn playing sports in school? What's the old adage? Or what you learn playing piano? Practice makes what? Perfect. It makes perfect. Danny didn't sound like that when he first started. In the beginning, it probably sounded like a cat scratching on a chalkboard a little bit. I don't know. Brother Danny's always been, he said worse. But what do you do? You practice. You practice. Came home every day, even after basketball practice. Brother Noah, every day after school, because I was going to be Michael Jordan. I thought that's what I was going to be. I was going to be Michael Jordan. Every day after school, I would go to my backyard, and I would shoot 100 jump shots before I went back in the house. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Until it became habit, until it became a part of me, until it became just to where I became a pretty decent shooter. But I had to practice. There are things that some of you, you excel at because you had practice and patience and you were perfected in it. So don't be discouraged in that trial or that tribulation. But James says, if you will pause, if you will let patience have its perfect work, God can make you perfect and entire. What's that mean? Whole. Lacking nothing, Brother Gary. That's what, it's, that's what that means. Wanting nothing means lacking nothing. You see, here, there's much to be said. And I don't have time to, to delve into all of this, but just hear me out on this. There's much to be said when there is a, pay, when there is a person who possesses patience. Because when they possess patience, they possess self-control. And I'm just going to tell you right now, there's not anything much more powerful in a person than the fruit of the Spirit at work, which is self-control. If we exercise self-control, we get into less scuffles, arguments, divisions, problems. You make, you make better decisions when you can control your impulse. Amen. That could be a whole other message, but I don't have time. Very quickly, let me say this. Brother Danny, if you want to make your way. We find that when there is a pause, is this okay? Five minutes? Okay. Sister Brenda shook her head, yes, that's all I needed. Five minutes. Listen to this. It is to perfect us. A pause will prepare us. It will prepare us. Listen to James 5, 7 through 8. Be patient. There's that word again. Therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Before he comes, what's the word of God say? Occupy till he comes. We work till he comes. We serve until he comes. We live until he comes. We do these things until he comes. But he says, be patient unto the coming of the Lord. Be patient in it. And he says this, Behold, the husbandman, speaking of the father, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. And he has long patience for it. 
I'm like you. I've often said, Lord, why, just come quickly. Why don't you come right now? What's preventing you? Brother Gary and I, we said this a couple Sundays ago. I don't know what's preventing the coming of the Lord. I'll tell you what it is, this right here. He's waiting for the fruit of the earth. What is he waiting for? Waiting on harvest. Waiting for us as we produce fruit in our life so that harvest can take place. And it said he has long patience for it. He is long suffering. He is willing that none perish, but that all come to repentance. And so therefore, I want to challenge you is that in the waiting, in the pause, he says he's waiting, he's got long patience for it, until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Jesus had said, behold, I stand at the door. We're here on the precipice. I know we've heard that preach for years, but it doesn't make it nonetheless true. But Lord, when I pause, not only perfect me, but prepare me. We sang it this morning. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Lord, prepare my life. Prepare me that I can produce godly fruit in my life that impacts others. That helps to result in the harvest, Brother Benjamin. We get this muddied because we live in a time. Let me say this. Brother Hemphill, it took my grandparents 25, 30 years to have the land that they had, the house that they had, the cars that they drove. You hear me? It took my parents 10, 15 years. It it took... This genera- it takes this generation. We're having the same things that it took our grandparents 20, 30 years for. A, a couple can get married one day, turn around, be signing papers on a new house, finance a car, have everything that it took their grandparents years to get. And we look around sometimes and we wonder about the state of the affairs by which we live in. And a lot of it is because there was no preparation for it. We've got a whole generation that don't really know what it means to work hard for something. I'll sign up for a credit card. I'll go to the bank. I'll do this. They don't know about what it means to tuck money back. Come on here. They don't know what it means. Well, but Brother Jake, all of us work hard to get things to that point. But are we the better for it? Are we? I think it's an argument there. I think there's a good point of contention there. And I'm not knocking young folks who are doing these things. I'm, I'm, a, part of that, I'm a part of that group. There's things that I acquired sooner than my predecessors. And there were some things, Brother Gary, that I learned early in marriage and early in life. You know what? I probably wasn't ready for that. I wasn't prepared for it. I was like some of those. I still remember buying my first car. Brand new car. Thought I had to have a new car. Anybody here ever been convinced you had to have a new car? Don't raise your hand. 
We sit at that dealership table, Sister T, me and my bride, and we're going down through the math. Okay, we, we don't have to eat gro- buy groceries every week. I can lose a little weight, Sister Shan, so here's what I'm going to do. Mondays and Thursdays, we won't eat supper. We'll save this amount here, and we'll do this amount here. Come on here. Wasn't prepared. Never missed a payment. Wasn't late. Didn't get repossessed. But there was some months I said, Lord, I want. you know how it is. You pull up in that new car. Oh, Jesus, bless me. Hallelujah. And then one month later, Jesus, help me. How am I going how am I, how am I to pay for this? Wasn't prepared. Perfection. Preparation. This is what a pause does. I hope tonight, I really do hope tonight, you've gained something from this. Selah. Pause. Your motives and intentions may be very good, but just take a minute and say, Lord, what are you showing me? What do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? What do you want to speak to me? What are you changing in me? What are you preparing in me? Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you tonight for your word. And I thank you for the heart of your people. I thank you for their patience with their pastor tonight. And Lord, I pray that your word challenge each and every heart. Tonight, decisions maybe that are on the precipice of being made. Tonight, hearts that it's hard to take courage because we want to move fast and we think we got to move now and we think that there are some things that if I wait, I'm going to miss out and I don't want to miss out. But Lord, I pray that as we pause, that we allow the Word of God to perfect us through patience. If there's trial, testing, and tribulation to realize that these things come because you're producing something in us. You're wanting to do a work in us. Lord, I pray you'd help us that we are preparing. Lord, whether it's ministry, whether it's things with our family, whether it's things in this church, Lord, help us. Give us the mindset to know that you are preparing us. There's fruit that needs to be produced. There's things, significant changes, lasting changes that need to take place. And it will only come as we allow you to prepare us, grow us, groom us. And Lord, as a result of these, I believe we receive of the promise. We receive of your promises. You're not slack concerning your promises. As you perfect and as you prepare us, there's promise of your blessing. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. There's wisdom in taking a pause. And tonight, church, I don't know. I don't know what's moving at warp speed in your life. I don't know what things you feel pressured to do. I don't know what things that you're praying about. But can I just encourage you tonight, as the central text we read from, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Again, I say, wait on the Lord. If tonight you'd say,
Pastor, that's what I want. I need a sailor in my life. I need a sailor in this season. I've got to hear from you. I've got to be patient. I've got to be perfected. I've got to be prepared in order to receive of your promise. If that's your heart tonight, why don't we come before we leave this house? Can we come and just find ourselves a place to pray? Would you come tonight and would you seek the Lord? There are some of you tonight, the Holy Ghost is putting his finger.